Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Chris Franklin from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome back to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Eagles. Before we begin, I want to remind you all that you can read our content on NJ.com slash Eagles. Make sure to bookmark that page to make sure you get the latest Eagles news and analysis. You can also subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Extra Insider Tech Service through Eagles Extra. You can send questions to myself and Les, and we'll comment to you, and also we hold Q&As there as well, too. Once again, as we mentioned just before, we're joined by my No Huddle Show co-host, Les Bowen. Today, we'll wrap up the Eagles win over the Detroit Lions. We'll talk about how the defense played. We'll talk about Devonta Smith and the rest of the offensive receivers, and especially with Smith being held down the catch. We'll also talk about the loss of Derek Barnett and look forward to the upcoming Monday night game against the Minnesota Vikings. But first, Les, how are you doing today? Doing great, Chris. How are you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad, man. We got to see uh, come back from Detroit and seeing that 38 to 35 Eagles win that at, at times it looked like uh, it should have been over the third quarter, but then all of a sudden the Lions came back and, and made it a game. And it was real interesting to see all the stuff that happened. There's a lot to break down. And yeah, it was a lot of game. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was craziness. Like you thought that the Eagles would have they on paper, everybody knew that this Lions team was going to be better than what they were last year. It wasn't going to be that forty four to six, but they uh, came back uh, pretty strong. What, what were your initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was not the game I expected. I expected a reasonably close game because I did think the Lions were better. I thought they were really good on both lines, which they certainly showed. I didn't see them scoring 35 points, and I thought that was very disappointing. I didn't see Jalen Hurts having to run for 90 yards, and I was a little alarmed by that. Not hugely alarmed, but a little alarmed. That can't be the way the offense is going to look this year against most teams, but... It, it was kind of a mess in that, you know, they, I don't think they picked up blitzes very well for Jalen. So he was kind of had to run some uh, on defense. I, I, we're going to have to talk about that. I, I don't I'm not sure why they weren't any better defensively. I, I hope it isn't that Jonathan Gannon just can't get them in the right formations and the right setups. Uh, but there was a little bit of that, it seemed like to me. Yeah, you know, it, it's surprising. When you just look at the numbers overall from that game, they allowed the Lions to complete 64, 64, excuse me, 64.3% of their third downs. They allowed 386 total yards as well, too. And the running game was very effective. Early on, DeAndre Swift, the uh, Detroit Lions running back, he was having a field day gashing this Eagles defense. Now, Les, when you look at that defense overall, they had the turnover with the James Bradbury touchdown touchdown but when you look overall they only finished with a sack that was split and they didn't really truly get a lot of pressure on Jared Goff I mean Les if you were in Jonathan Gannon's shoes right now what do you have to be thinking 
Well, I'm going to have to be wondering about my defensive line rotation, which is something he talked about yesterday. And he sort of presented it as, well, I've got to you know, give all these guys time. Like, you know, this isn't peewee football. You don't have to give everybody the same amount of snaps. If Javon Hargrave looks horrible, you can play Jordan Davis more. You know, I mean, and you can even do that to Fletcher Cox, frankly, if he's not getting the job done. Uh, I don't know that Jonathan Gannon sees it that way. Maybe Howie Roseman doesn't see it that way since he's paying Fletcher Cox $14 million this year and Javon Hargrave $12.5 million. Um, but I, I kind of didn't like that explanation. I, I didn't think anybody up front had a very good game. Uh, they, they always see – well, one thing that happened that Gannon brought up that I hadn't thought about was when they got the leads in the second half, they kept thinking Detroit was going to th- – throw the ball, which is what usually happens when a team is way behind in the second half of the game. But Detroit didn't. And so I think the Eagles were caught on the wrong foot a lot of times. They, they were Defensive linemen were caught trying to get up field, and the ball was being run right past them. Um, you know, that was a little bit of that. But I, I was really taken aback by how the defensive line and linebackers played. I was taken aback by the fact that T.J. Edwards played every defensive snap. And he's a nice player who's worked real hard to make himself into more than, you know, an undrafted guy who played special teams. But does he play every snap, really, uh, of the of the game? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know if he's that guy or not. You know, I haven't seen that from him. Um, so those are some of my thoughts. What, what are you thinking? Well, the thing I saw, and you mentioned this as well too, that when it came to that running the running game, the Josh Sweat, especially when it came to Josh Sweat, and I saw this sometimes when it came to uh, Hassan Reddick and, and Brandon Graham at times, they were you were right, they were going so far upfield that all the Lions had to do was sweep them back down, and then Swift Williams had a way to cut back to the hole. And I also saw when it came to the gaps. I think Javon Hargrave, when you look at him, it was like he's still getting acclimated to playing meaningful snaps because he's coming off that toe injury. So he looked a lot step slower and you're looking at the guys. It was a lot of gap discipline that they had issues with. And you would think that, especially with a lot bunch of veteran guys, they would know that. I don't know if they're too amped up. I don't know what have you, but they looked a little too amped up. The one thing I will say, I will give the defense credit with is it looks like they have a lot more speed covering the flat areas, like and, and able to cover those running backs and tight ends towards those areas. Cause when it came to Kaiser White, when you look at uh, even safety Marcus Epps flying up there in, in in coverage and also in run support, I think you you feel good about that. But I'm I'm really really concerned right now when it comes to that defensive line because all those assets they put in there, uh, all, all the guys who have experience rushing the passer, what have you, especially Hassan Reddick, who had 23 and a half sacks in two seasons, and he didn't look like himself this past game. He really didn't. And they dropped him in the coverage a lot. I don't, I'm don't. i not really getting the process behind that. I know he can do it, but it doesn't mean because he can do it, you use it a lot. So, Right. The thing with Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage is his first three years with the Cardinals after he was drafted in the first round, that was what they were trying to do with him. They were trying to play him as a conventional linebacker. 
and it was not a success. He was having a real hard time. They weren't going to pick up his option. He was kind of a failed draft pick for them until they made him an edge rusher, you know, and I, I'm with you. I don't, I, he's not very good at dropping into coverage. I keep saying that he is, but you know, he's better than some of the guys they've had, I guess, trying to do that, but it's not the strength of his game. He's there to rush the passer. And that's what they need him to be doing. I agree. I agree. And we were talking about that pass rush being an issue. Well, now the Eagles are going to be down another defensive end because we found out on Monday that Derek Barnett has suffered a torn ACL and he's done for the season now. So it looks as if Teron Jackson's going to be elevated to get some some more time. Jackson was inactive for Sunday's game. And then the Eagles also made a couple moves as well, too. We'll get into that in a sec. But, Les, what do you think about the loss of Derek Barnett and Jackson getting more time? Well, I'm I'm interested to see what Teron Jackson can do. Um, As far as Derek Barnett going down, you know, it's not the end of the world. There was a point in the offseason where I think the Eagles weren't expecting to have Derek Barnett this year. Now, maybe if if he had signed elsewhere, maybe they would have, you know, found another guy of his approximate stature to to replace him. But it, it, nonetheless, they were kind of, after last season, I think they were ready to move on. Uh, he's certainly not a starter with them. Um, th- where you get into trouble, if Teron Jackson isn't really ready to play a lot of snaps, and then you get another injury to an edge rusher like 34-year-old Brandon Graham or somebody like that, then you're really in trouble. Then you've got to go out and find yourself a, a good player, I think, to bring in here, But uh, which is hard to do during the season. But, uh, you know, I, if, for now, I'm not alarmed. If Teron Jackson can give them eight, ten good snaps a game, uh, you know, that's fine by me. And they picked up a young player, which is what I thought they would do, rather than, you know, try to reheat Justin, Jason Pierre-Paul or somebody like that. They, they went and picked up a young player from the Vikings uh, yesterday off their practice squad, and uh, he seems kind of intriguing. What, what do you know about him? Well, with Janarius Robinson, you know, he reminds me a lot, even to the, down to the college for his, where he went to Florida State. He reminds me of Josh Sweat, a guy who had some injuries early on, a guy who's athletic, very athletic. He's also tall. He's rangy, too, 6'5", I believe, 258 as well. So you got a guy who's quick quick off the edge, and this guy was well-regarded in the draft. He went in, for, in the fourth round, and he, he's basically going off the edge. He's able to get some pressures. But he had a knee injury that made him miss all the last season. So the Eagles were able to pick him up off the practice squad, add him to the 53. Uh, don't know how much time he's going to get coming into this learning. He could be the new – like Jackson, he could be the one that's inactive beginning this week. Yeah, I think probably also, at least right away I think he will be. Yeah, I, I can't imagine they're going to toss him in there to play. But uh, probably a developmental player, you know, which is what – how I would see this vacancy right now, like I said, unless you get another edge rusher going down, you're not really looking for immediate help here. Part of me is I look at the situation is right now and I see if the Eagles go all in, if this pass rush issues continue, say about five, six games, games of the season, I think you have to go out and get like a JPP or even I'd knock the, 
not see make a couple of calls see if Everson Griffin's available. I know he's had his issues. His issues. In if, the last if this year, continues, some you're issues. right. If this, if they don't get better at this, uh, you know, going forward, I just think, I think they probably will. But you know, I, I think Brandon Graham is in great shape, and I don't think he's lost much uh, in terms of quickness. Uh, I think he's going to play better. It, one thing is, these guys didn't play the preseason, and in the case of the defensive line. You know, the, the offensive uh, starters played a full series, at least, in one game. The defensive starters played like two snaps, uh, the, the, uh, the, the linemen, you know, two or three snaps apiece in the preseason. And I just don't think they were really ready for the, for the regular season. And I'm not criticizing Nick Sirianni's approach necessarily because it was geared toward not getting people injured and geared toward the 17-game season and not the opener. But I do think, and I think they're a little silly for never acknowledging this, I do think there's a trade-off there. And the trade-off is, you know, you're a little flat-footed for the opener. And they won't admit that, you know, because that sounds like they're criticizing Nick's approach. But I, I think you can acknowledge both things. You know, it's, it's a long-range strategy, and it's – not gonna, you're not gonna come out firing in the opener. I, I just think that's the the way it works. You're right. You're right. And so this Eagles defense has a lot to work on this upcoming week. But we're going to switch over to the other side of the ball, where the Eagles were able to put up uh, 38 points, and, and that running game was resurgent once again. It was powered by uh, Miles Sanders, also Jalen Hurts using his legs too on a few design runs. And it was interesting to see every running back that was on that dress for that game. So it was Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell to each score a touchdown. So. They, they ran behind that offensive line and had some success. But when they passed the ball, it was heavy A.J. Brown. He's the most targeted receiver by far. And he finished the game with 10 catches for 155 yards. Now, with conversely, with Brown having his big day, Devonta Smith was held without a catch. He was targeted four times, but he didn't he didn't catch the ball. He had one drop as well, too. Les, are you concerned that Devonta Smith did not have any catch, a catch in, in his usage in this offense? A little bit. Um I, I, there are going to be games like that, I guess, but it wasn't what I expected. It, it seemed like it was almost like when Carson Wentz w- would get criticized for only seeing Zach Ertz out there. You know, it's it was a little bit like that sometimes for me. I, it looked like Jalen Hurts was really enthralled with uh, his new toy of A.J. Brown, and he wasn't really looking for the other guys too much. Um and I know Shane Steichen told us yesterday that, no, that can't happen. He's got to find ways to get Devontae Smith the ball. And I agree. Um, it just That was not – that's kind of one of the points that I was trying to make in, in my column a couple days ago was this offense – this isn't as the offense that's going to win them postseason games the way they played Sunday. I know they scored points. It was actually 31 because – there was a defensive touchdown, but even though they scored points and were very productive, it, it no, this wasn't, you know, in a, in a playoff game, somebody will figure out how to shut down AJ Brown and, and keep Jalen hurts from running for 90 yards. And you've really got to, you know, spread it around a lot more, which is kind of what I'm expecting 
with guys like Goddard and Pascal and Devontae Smith out there that they're going to get, you know, everybody's going to get their 50 yards and maybe A.J. Brown gets 100, you know, something like that. Um, and that's not what we saw Sunday. So, yeah, I was a little concerned. Uh, it, it was not what I expected. You know, they were they certainly scored points. And I don't think Jalen Hurts played badly. I'm not trying to suggest that he did anything terribly wrong. I thought the offensive line was up and down. I know the coaches have given the offensive line a lot of kudos this week, and they certainly were excellent in run blocking, especially down near the goal line. But pass blocking, I thought, was kind of hit or miss and blitz pickup, which – uh, Shane Steichen liked, I thought, was horrendous. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit uh, perplexed by some of that. Yeah, and one thing you definitely saw that I thought the Eagles could have taken advantage of a couple times where the Lions were blitzing a lot from that right side and trying to force Hurts to his left. And they had A.J. Brown on his side. It seemed like A.J. Brown was lined up to the left a lot. And they used Smith on the slot and on the right side. They blitzed 40 times that Smith lined up on the right side. Well, if you have the blitz coming that side, you either get the ball quickly to that area where you know the blitz is coming, or if he's got to be forced to roll out to his left, why not put Smith next to A.J. Brown and, and force the defense to adjust? Because I'm pretty sure they wouldn't bring the pressure from that one side if they knew that yeah, both those receivers to that side. And well, that's a I'm good really, point, Chris. I mean, I, thanks. I, I mean, I. Just thought there could have been times where that, and there's also some times, especially early on, where I believe Quez Watkins was opening it on. There's a time, I forget what play, I believe it was in the first quarter, that Quez Watkins was sitting by himself. The Lions didn't have somebody covering over him, and Hurts had to get the ball out quickly. And it was like if he just had took a second to look to that side, it would have just basically been a, a wide receiver screen with Quez Watkins all by himself and no defender 10 yards around him. And I'll take those odds over trying to force a, a pass play to the other side. So there's still some things I think this offense could do that would be a little better in, in that in that aspect. And I know we're going to talk about the Vikings game coming up, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings started to roll a safety over towards Brown's side, forcing the Eagles to say, okay, well, what are you going to do now? So there could be chances where Goddard and Smith are going to be open. But it's going to be coming to the Eagles to make sure they scheme them open as well, too, and, and not just rely on, well, we got A.J. one on possibly two. Let's see if he can make a contested catch. That is, you can't sustain that over a course of 17 games. But now we're going to go on to the Vikings now. And and we, we saw what they did to the uh, Green Bay Packers in that first game, basically dom- dom- dominating them overall. And now they come into Philadelphia. We get to see Jalen Rager once again. He didn't do much in that game. He had one punt return for seven yards. But now you have uh, the Eagles had trouble with DeAndre Swift Lions. Now you got Dalvin Cook coming in here with the Vikings. You also have Justin Jefferson on the outside. You got Adam Thielen still there as well, too. And Kirk Cousins, be it as is may, his struggles on Monday Night Football. He's two for nine on Monday Night Football. He still comes in with a potent offense. Les, what do you see overall the outcome of this game being? You know, I'm pessimistic right now, Chris. Maybe my mind will change, but... The Vikings opener was kind of the opposite of the Eagles opener. The Vikings came out really sharp. I did not expect them to beat the Packers like that. Now, there were some drop passes uh, the Packers had. They had guys open, 
particularly early in the game, there was a, a sh- uh, what should have been a touchdown shot to a rookie receiver, and it just went right through the guy's hands. It reminded me of Carson Wentz throwing to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, you know, three <laughs> years ago, and, you know, uh, Nelson Aguilar, and, you know, it, there was a little bit of that. It wasn't like the Vikings' coverage was always wonderful, but they certainly played well. Cousins, for whatever – I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins fan, but – he has done well against the Eagles. <laughs> it, wherever he's played, he's done pretty well against the Eagles. So I i am apprehensive. I, I think in the long run, the Eagles will be a better team than the Vikings, but I'm not sure they're going to be a better team Monday night. I hear it. I hear you. And I, I, I think the Eagles could win, will win this game, but I think it's going to be eerily close. And the only thing I think the reason why I think that is I think – the, the crowd noise may affect the the Vikings to the point where they may take a couple of false start penalties and ends a couple of drives that way. But as of right now, I'm looking at the way, how do you stop this offense? And given away, I, I, I have more faith in the, in the secondary I do right now, this Eagles and the amount of pass rush they can get. And Kirk Cousins is one of those guys who can get the ball out quickly when he sees what he wants. And the Eagles had trouble with that last year. When you look at the defense this year, the Eagles are – it, well, Jared Goff had a chance to basically, if he was on point, he could have had a 60%, 70% completion percentage, but it's Jared Goff, so we know what's all what happened on that. But Kirk Cousins is the type of guy that can start tearing up, tearing the defense apart, and I'm a little worried now they can't get a pass rush. I want to see if Jonathan Gannon gets a little bit more pressure in some different ways with blitzes and everything else. Yeah, they did not blitz much uh, against Detroit, and they did not get pressure. Um they got one sack, and it was off of a fumbled snap kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was definitely a problem, and it that's got to get a lot better for them to beat good teams. It, it really does. It really does. Let's talk about this as well, too, Les. It's, let's say it happens if the Eagles do lose this game here at Lincoln Financial Field, and the Washington Commanders and the Giants surprisingly go – it's just probably go uh, win their games, and they're two and zero. The Eagles now drop to one and one. Are you concerned about where the Eagles would be in, in their next three or four games if they'd be able to pull themselves out of that hole? That's an interesting question. I, I my instinct is to say no because I don't think Washington and and the Giants are that good. Uh, I respect what they did the first week. Washington beat the Jaguars, which I know Doug Peterson's there and all that, but the Jaguars are still the Jaguars to me. I, Carson Wentz made enough mistakes. He, he did make some wonderful throws, but he made enough mistakes to turn that game around against a good team. Um, the Giants, you know, I, I expected them to get killed in Tennessee. They certainly did not. Saquon Barkley looked reborn. Uh, their defense played well. But at the end, if uh, Bullock, the Titans kicker, can make uh, like a 46-yard field goal, the Giants would have lost. So, you know, I'm not going to get too panicky about the division games uh, after this. Uh, Even if the Eagles lose to the Vikings, unless they get like key players hurt or, you know, guys start yelling at each other or something, I think they can certainly regroup. They regrouped last year after two and five, you know. So, um, 
there's not much that's going to make me panic at this point in the season other than injuries, I, I guess. Uh, but um, I, I kind of expect the Vikings to, to come in here and win. I Again, I might be wrong, but I just don't. The Eagles we saw Sunday aren't ready to beat a good team, even here at the link. And maybe there'll be a different. They've got eight days here. Uh, so maybe the things will sharpen up considerably by Monday night, and I'll be totally wrong. I hear you. See, I'm I'm more concerned about the Commanders as opposed to the Giants. I think the Giants will come back to earth a little bit, given even with the schedule. What they do have. you like and about I, the Commanders? I like their defense. Yeah, I, I, I like I like Ron Rivera. I like their defense. I think they have enough weapons. On the outside, and, and Curtis Samuel, I, I saw the way they're using him a little bit in that, that hybrid running back wide receiver role that to give the Eagles yeah. problems. It, it, it all comes down to wins. And looking at that way, the first game that after this Eagles play the Vikings, not to fall too far ahead, but the Eagles go down to FedEx Field to play Washington Commanders. If they're two and zero at whole, and then you have oh yeah, Wentz is going to have a, a chance to have revenge against his old team, showing they. You made a mistake here. I think that could be a bad look. So if you go one and two, one and two to begin the season, uh, I don't foresee it. I think that if anything, that I I have I'm picking the Eagles to beat the the Vikings. But I think if anything, I think they finish they they first three games. If anything, will be two and one. I, I don't foresee them going one and two. But that loss to the Commanders is, is a little, it worries me a little bit. I know they take on the Lions this week and the Giants take on the Panthers, but. Uh, well, the one thing I'll say about Wentz is with McLaurin and uh, Dotson, the kid from Penn State, he has better receivers than he's had probably since the Super Bowl year with the Eagles. And Wentz, I'm not going to rehash the whole Wentz era and all the, you know, there was plenty of fault for to him, uh, particularly that last year when he just totally fell apart. But part of the genesis of the problems with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia was the drop-off in his receiving core. And even though, you know, he was up and down last year with Indianapolis, the end of the season was a disaster, but he didn't have good receivers there either. So, uh, you know, McLaurin, I think, is one of the very best receivers in the league. And Dotson certainly had a heck of a uh, first game. And uh, I, I'll be interested to see what you know, I went statistically is going to have a good year. Um, whether that means they win a whole bunch of games, I, I don't know. I'm not as high on their defense as you are. I, Chase Young uh, is out. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'll have to see their defense play some before I get too much behind that. But uh, I, I do think uh, it'll be an interesting year for Carson Wentz. The Eagles fans who want to see him fall flat on his face and be drummed out of the league might be disappointed. <laughs> There's nobody that thinks that around here in the Philadelphia area now, is it? No. no. <laughs> oh, goodness. But uh, We're going to put, about to put a bow on this uh, latest episode of No Huddle Show. But first, before we do, Les, do you have any final thoughts today? Ah, well, I, I'll i be interested to see when the Eagles get back to work here this week, what the mood is. Uh, if I'm getting strong, you know, everything's okay, we're, we're doing just fine. If that's the 
the tenor, then I'm a little worried. If the tenor is, boy, we've got a lot of work to do. That wasn't a great start. Uh, even though we won, we were we were lucky to win. That you know, we need to play a lot better than that. If that's the tenor, then I'll be reassured. But I just don't know how they're going to approach this week. And there's going to be a lot of talk about the crowd. And I don't think the crowd wins you much of anything, really. Unless, like you said, the Vikings can't get their plays off or something. Um, The support of the crowd is nice, but the the game is won on the field. And I, I just want to see that the Eagles are really ready to do that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It really, it really does. For me, it all goes down to the quarterback, and I want to see how Jalen Hurts bounces back, and I want to see if he's able to elude some of those hits that he did. You wrote a, you wrote a really good story a couple of days ago about that. When uh, I mean, because the Lions, I, I mean, I get it. I mean, when you're a quarterback getting hit over and over again, you want to feel it, and. I used to have a coach that used to tell me, "Hey, you know what? Take a 15 yard early on to get into the quarterback's head and." And, and make them think for the rest of the game. And it looked like the Lions were just trying to get every single which hit every they could on them. Well, you know, real and, quickly, I'm going to say oh, yeah. something about that. I, I'm glad you reminded me of what I said in my column. <laughs> I uh, One of the reasons I wrote that column is I asked Nick Sirianni about the hits on the slides, which I think a lot of fans were upset with. And watching the game, you know, you see the guy sliding. He's down and he still gets hit. And you don't know why there isn't always a flag. And Sirianni actually explained it. The way the rule is written, if the defender has committed himself, if he's, you know, in the process, if he's launched or if he's, you know, in a position where he can't really pull up, then he doesn't get penalized for hitting the quarterback on a slide unless he hits the helmet, neck, head and neck area, which is totally reasonable, you know, but... It does a, a lot of times when you're watching it in real time, you're seeing the guy slide. You're thinking, OK, plays over and then he gets popped. And, you know, Sirianni was using the word tackle. He can still be tackled. I haven't ever seen a sliding quarterback get tackled. What happens is a guy with his shoulder, you know, slams into the quarterback's back. Uh, he doesn't try to tackle him. Uh, you know, so and I was using that in support of my point, which is that if Hertz is going to run a whole lot, he's going to take a lot of really bad hits, and sooner or later something really bad is going to happen. So, yeah, that, uh, that was uh, a, a big part of, uh, of what Nick was talking about the other day. Yeah, he's going to have to continue to be smart about the way he's approaching it. I, I didn't mind some of those uh, unique throwaways that he had when he was outside the pocket to save some yards. And I, I understand I understand where he had to, sometimes you need to run just to run and keep plays alive, but he's got to protect himself, continue to protect himself because this team has pieces around it to have a successful year, but it won't do any good if – if Hurts is not on the field, and no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, I think he's a he's good for a short period of time. But the longer, if you had to ask him to say, okay, we want you to lead this offense for 12, 13 games in, in the playoffs as well, too, I don't think the Eagles would be able to maximize their potential offensively. So, I, for for Hurts and for the Eagles' sake, he has to make sure he stays upright on that. 
Well, everybody, that's been the latest episode of No Huddle Show podcast with Les Bowen and myself. Make sure you look for it throughout the rest of this week. We're going to be back at the Novacare Complex. We're recording this on a Wednesday. We'll be back on a Thursday. Start talking to Nick Sirianni, some of the couple other players as well, too to preview this upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings, head to nj.com slash Eagles, and we'll give you all the updates that we have on there. So for less, I'm Chris. Have a good one.